0: Welcome to Women Express. My name is Denise Harrington and I'm your host today with someone that I have been waiting to interview. I'm very lucky to work with her in a coaching situation. I've been coaching and consulting with our guest since 2018, we just discovered and it's been a wonderful journey with her. I'm going to be talking to Lisa Hamilton today. She's the CEO of the Annie Casey Foundation. I'm not going to get into detail because I want her to share with you her journey. I've watched her journey. When I first started working with Lisa, she was the president of the Annie Casey Foundation. And she called me in to help her get what she said, her head straight, (laughs) as she was moving up in the ranks towards becoming the CEO. And it's been a wonderful journey for me, it's been wonderful to watch her evolve and the power of what she brings to the table and how she's such a great great storyteller i tell you that all the time don't i you do she's such a great storyteller so i'm not going to go into too much introduction we will do the introduction i'm just going to jump in because lisa is a joy and i would just be gushing and we both would be gushing and having fun And that's just how it goes when we work together.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Denise, it's been a pleasure to work with you. And I am excited to share my journey with your listeners and any advice I can provide to them about how to
0: advance in their own career journey. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've been talking to a lot of women in terms of emerging leadership and what it means to be a woman in business nowadays. The interesting thing we're all agreeing to is that it's not about getting to the table so much anymore. Most of us are at the table. So the question now is, what are you going to do now that you're at the table? Very true. Very true. (laughs) It's what you do with leadership, not necessarily how you get
1: there. How do you make the most of the opportunity?
0: Yes. And we do want to talk a little bit. I do want to share with you some ideas around how you got there, but sure. getting to that table, sometimes we're sitting at the table. We don't feel we have the voice that we should have. And I liked your approach because even in your introduction, you said to me, you know, I, I got her in here because I needed to get my head straight so I could get to that, that mountaintop. Yes. So tell me a little bit about, I know that you are, we talked about you being a ballet dancer in your early years. Right. And you know, and I'm a then, long way from that, <laughs> long ways from that and long maybe, way maybe a little me. bit of knee surgery. But <laughs> but you're also a single mom. I am. And you run a major, major organization that really is of service to humankind. And so I'd like to know a little bit about, you know, Annie Casey Foundation, how you got to this space and and what were the steps that you took as you I want to say a ballet term, but as you probably <laughs> left. Pivoted to uh pirouetted to this, role. <laughs> um,
1: to this role. So Annie E. Casey Foundation, based in Baltimore, Maryland. It's about a three and a half billion dollar endowed organization. We were created by the founder of UPS, a guy named Jim Casey, who named this foundation in honor of his mother, Annie, who had supported him and cared for his family, his his siblings, and him um, when his father died when he was really young. He was obviously very successful. He created the world's largest logistics company, but when he became wealthy beyond his own personal needs, decided to create this organization to help kids just like him who had grown up poor, who had limited education, who might've lacked a pathway to opportunity. And so the foundation really focuses on trying to create a brighter future for all children. So yeah. we focus on issues like uh, helping families together so the kids aren't in child welfare and juvenile justice systems that separate families to make sure families have the money they need in order to raise their children. So workforce development and other things to help parents get good jobs and save so they can support their kids. And then to help create neighborhoods that are stronger so that kids and families have healthy, safe places to grow up. So I am very fortunate that I get to do work that is uh, both head and heart. It's very hard, but very rewarding. Uh, I get to work with 200 amazing professionals at the foundation and uh, have a great board of directors, many of them UPS executives. And when, when I talk about sort of how I got here, I was an executive at UPS myself. So it's really my connection to the company that this philanthropist started that really connected me to this organization. So it's really amazing work and really engages every part of my brain and my heart
0: (laughs) to try to do this. Yeah. Um, Well, it's interesting to see, you know, when as I've watched you evolve, you really do believe in putting the different parts together of your personality and of your business self and of your personal self. Tell me a little bit about why you think that's important, that there should be kind of a, not just a balance between the two, because, you know, it's not about work-life balance. It's more about, I believe, work-life integration. But tell me, why do you feel it's so important to develop yourself? Yeah, so... A little about my journey to
1: this role, um, I trained as a tax lawyer. That's what I originally thought I wanted to do, was be a tax <laughs> litigator. And anyone who knows me would never <laughs> pick that as the thing I would grow up to I be. Would <laughs> I would not.
0: I would not.
1: It was sort of circumstance. You know, like lots of people, you take the opportunities, you're presented. So I never said I wanted to be a tax lawyer. But when I was in law school, I wanted to be a litigator. The law firm that gave me a job was a tax lawyer boutique firm. And so I needed to do tax if I was going to have this job. And so I thought, you know, here's a place to start. It's business law. I wanted to do something related to that. So that's where I started, but it was never in my mind where I would end up. And so it was a great launching pad. And I tell people it gave me A great set of skills to build upon to understand tax and financial and legal issues was an amazing set of skill sets to have, because I think Mm -hmm. having some sort of financial acumen is critical for a leader. At some point as a leader, you're going to have to develop budgets. You're going to have to look at some kind of financial statements. And so I started my career sort of building those skills. So that was really Really useful, and as a lawyer, you learn great communication skills, which I've also Mm -hmm. leveraged throughout my career. Great writer and speaker, and while being a lawyer was the way I built those skills, I use them every day and have used them in many other ways. So I started as a tax lawyer. I met a law firm. I realize I hate that. And I decided to go in-house <laughs> with, a, with a company thinking maybe I'll like it better if I go in-house with a company. Still didn't like it, but I'm at a great mm-hmm. company at UPS and I realize I'm at this global business and surely I'm going to find my way to some other kind of job. You know, I've gotten myself to a place where there are other opportunities around me and that turned out to be the case. So the first thing I ended up doing was going to the UPS foundation. When I got to the company, I learned really quickly that they had a foundation. When you talked about integrating head and heart, I knew foundations existed. And I sort of felt in my gut that that was a place that I could live out my values
0: to help. Wow. Wow. So what do you say? What do you think are your, your key values? Because I know we all that's part of coming to the table and being able to maintain those values. So what do you think are your three key values? You know me in three. Well, you know, wanting to see other people thrive, you know, about mm-hmm. sort of the, the
1: wellness, health, success of other people, about giving back, of knowing how blessed I am and believing I need to be of service to other people, mm-hmm. um, and of doing things in a smart way, of being sort of respectful, Responsible strategic steward. And oh, wow. um wow. thought that it's not just enough to want to do good. It's this is really hard strategic work. You gotta, and I thought I can use my tax skills. You know, a nonprofit is nothing but a creation of the tax law. So
0: mm, knowing tax
1: law, it occurred to me I can really be useful in a nonprofit context because I understand these rules that govern them. So it was just a great way to began to put together my head and my heart to do this work. The UPS Foundation was a global organization. It was the company's foundation. It made grants of about $50 million all over the world. Um, It made grants through employees and every operating unit of the company. So it was, um, and it sat inside human resources, which was, you know, so I went from finance, where tax was, to human resources, which is where the foundation sat, And I started building another set of skills about working with all these different business units around the world and sitting in on all these human resources meetings and understanding how the company thought about talent development and Mm -hmm. hiring Mm -hmm. and recruiting and retention. And so while that wasn't my specific job, I tell you that because being in another function gave me another set of skills and insights that I wouldn't have had if I had you just stayed know, in that's finance and accounting. That and is so very interesting. I'm very, really very glad that I sort of jumped the wall. And, and that was like sort of that. the story of my career, that I went from one unit, to finance and accounting, and then to the human resources unit. And then after that, I jumped the wall again. I did, <laughs> you know, worked in the foundation for a couple of years. And then I got the opportunity to be a lobbyist on Capitol Hill, working for the company. I jokingly say a tax lawyer with a personality is a commodity too precious to leave on the shelf. (laughs) So the company said, hey, (laughs) this is somebody (laughs) with technical skills, but also, you know, could engage others. And that's what the Mm lobbyist did. So Mm -hmm. I loved going to Washington. I got to understand how the policy process works. Mm -hmm. I represented a big company that had lots of access and issues. So here I've now, you know, in a third way built another set of skills. Now I understand public policy. I understand lobbying. I'm understanding the strategy of the company Finances. and how policy yeah. plays into that. Yeah. And I had long said I wanted to be the president of the UPS Foundation. When someone retired, I got the opportunity to take on that role. And in that role, I got to learn a lot about strategy. You know, being a leader is not always about, uh, you know, executing on something technical. It's about, How do you create a vision for something and how do you get other people excited about it and execute on it? And so that was my opportunity to reimagine the focus Mm -hmm. areas of the foundation and figure Mm -hmm. out how to really use the company's um, Mm -hmm. strengths and employee skill sets to really make the biggest impact in the world. So that was where I really got to exercise my strategy muscles, which was which was awesome. And then the last thing I got to do at UPS was run the public relations department for the company. And I have to tell you how lucky am I that I worked for a company that was willing to let me try on all these different roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. I often say I was running public relations for a fortune 50 global company. And I had never written a press release, like what what a, what an adventure, but I had, you know, a great team of about 40 people who helped me learn the strategies of public relations and communications. And so I really built another set of skills around, you know, how do you engage the media? figuring out what your brand is and how Mm -hmm. to, you know, advance the messages around that brand and launch new products for the company and do earnings calls for the company. So all that to say, I've had a lot of different roles before I came to the foundation and had the opportunity to sort of put all of that together
0: over time to become a CEO, which... Well, I'm going to break down some of these things because this is the story of your life. And I love the idea that you jumped, I would say that you probably left because, you know, I still have the ballerina in my head, (laughs) that whole picture. So when you're saying jump, I can only see you doing these wonderful, wonderful, (laughs) graceful jump forward. But in my work with women specifically, but in leaders in general, I always say the step from manager, director, to VP, to senior VP especially as you get closer to the C-suite, has a lot to do with exactly what you said. Number one, your ability to have signature skills, and we call them signature skills. Mm -hmm. Skills are, their signature style and signature skills are in the same vein, but they're different. Mm -hmm. Signature style is how you show up in the world. That's why I asked you about your values and things like that. Signature skills are things that you learn to help create a more overall or a more what I call full spectrum signature style. Yes. So, and the three that I've found as you get closer and closer to the C-suite is you have to have the ability to communicate effectively the corporation's brand or the organization's brand yes. as it relates to you. Yes. Because on that level, strategy and vision are a part of how you inspire people to follow, to give, and to volunteer. Wouldn't you say that that's
1: true? 100%. I think, you know, you are right. Communicating is essential. The ability to develop strategy is essential. And third is knowing how to manage people. If you can do those three things, they really do Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. give
0: you the essential ingredients Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. be a good leader. Yeah. It's funny because I, I was listening to you saying, I've jumped from here to here to here to here. Just my own personal story. When I started my business, one of the big clients that I got at that time was Nike. Mm. And here I was, you know, I, I was young then, and but I knew I could do what I did. And I went in and knocked on the door and got through a speech I did. I got the work with Nike, finally got in their door. And they just kept asking me to do all these things. You know, have, have you ever worked with athletes? Oh yeah, I've done that. Have you ever done DNI? Oh yeah, I've done that. Right. Have you ever done? Have you ever you know prepared people for big presentations? Oh yeah, I've done that. And those skill sets they were based in one my personality because you and I have personalities very right. much the same. I'm going to say yes because that's just why well not? <laughs> why you not? Know, why not? Just why not go on the adventure? I had the fundamentals of communication, but all these little different pieces to the puzzle gave me the breadth of what you see as the skill set that I bring to the table now. Yeah, And you know that, you know that because for those of you who've ever worked out with me who are listening out there, you know, I push a little hard. And the bottom line is I've used to, I push Lisa, I push her a little hard about things, but it's all about that ability to have that That skill set that really helps you communicate in bringing inspiration and innovation to an organization. Don't you think that's true? I 100%
1: agree. And these skills really build on one another. You know, Mm -hmm. they, it's not like they're hard lines between them. As you learn how to communicate, you, you know, develop a strategy, you communicate it, you're, you know, that enables you to manage people better. They really do intertwine. And so Mm -hmm. I agree with you that, you know, being deliberate about how you build your skills, mm-hmm. who you want to be as a professional, and what gaps you might have that you want to fill. How do you seek out roles that are going
0: to help you build your tools for your toolbox? That's right. That's right. That is so absolutely right. And to say yes to things and, and stretch your muscle, you might even fail. Right. You know, there's the, Get there were times better. where I'm, I'm standing in the middle of a room and they've asked me to do something, not just Nike, but you know, other clients. And I'm like, wow, I don't, I'm not quite sure how I, I can do that. But you know, we didn't you have are. Google in those days, but you, you went online and looked it up and you create what was needed to win right. for your for yourself and for for your organization. organization right exactly. i
1: think any leader has to be an agile learner no mm-hmm. one's going to come to any role knowing everything that one could possibly need to know you've just got to be willing to learn and to trust the knowledge of those who work with you. That's where I think a lot of people go wrong. They assume they need to know everything. It's great for you to have a set of skills, <laughs> but what do the 40 people who work with you know how to do? If you can leverage the talents and skills of those 40 people, look at how you have amplify the knowledge that you're able to draw from. And I don't have any Mm -hmm. problem asking questions of people who work with me. That's how I get better. I Mm -hmm. always learn from the people I'm leading because they help make me better. I can then benefit from them. So I, I totally agree with you. You've got to be agile in your thinking and be willing to learn on the job and grow while you're doing it. You know, they often say, you know, fly the plane, build the plane while
0: you're flying it. (laughs) You got (laughs) to be willing to do that. You got to be willing to do that. It's one of the things I would love to have you share because your background, you've come from a long journey from you grew up in Georgia, you grew up in a South that was still a little bit segregated. And your parents were determined about you. And I call it the bus story. Would you share with this audience the bus story? Because it's so wonderful.
1: It's just a story about opportunity and, and, you know, what you do to have opportunity. I did grow up in a pretty segregated Atlanta in the 70s. And the schools were very segregated. And so in order for me to go to schools that had the Kind of resources and opportunities my parents thought I deserved. I had to ride the bus every day for an hour each way in order to to go from my home in Southwest Atlanta, which was you know in a lovely middle class neighborhood, but the schools were not as strong to get to schools mm-hmm. on the north side of town that just had more resources and opportunities. And so I've been putting in a full day's work since I was six years old. <laughs> having to, you know, get up at seven and get on the bus and not get back home oftentimes until four or five p.m. and the afternoon, but, mm-hmm. you know, it just taught me that you, you make sacrifices sometimes in order yeah. to create opportunities for yourself and your
0: family. And yeah. Like and, and that's what your family did. And I, yeah. I love where you say, you know, I, as I'm on the bus, I'm watching all my neighbor friends going to the local schools, but my parents just felt it was very important for me to expand my, expand my vision, expand my experience. And you, that, I, that is, I think, fundamental to who you are, Lisa. You're always looking for that. How do I expand my experience? How do
1: I expand my experience and how do I bridge my experience? I still lived in the same neighborhood. And I think it made me comfortable in lots of environments because I lived in one place. I went to school in another place. So I I always was able to find connection or community with people who might not have been like me um, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I, from a very young age, you know, always you know found connection found community with people wherever i was so yeah i think that's fundamentally a part a part i
0: think me. that's fundamental and i think that's fundamental in general it doesn't really matter if, as a woman it doesn't matter your race you really have got to allow yourself to see yourself outside of your norm you do and because, to also feel like you belong you know
1: i think a lot yeah. of people women, people of color struggle with feeling like they belong in environment. And I think what also came out of that busing experience for me was deciding that I was going to belong no matter where I was. I wasn't going to Claim status as an outsider. This is my Mm -hmm. school as much Mm -hmm. as it's anybody else's school. So I'm going Mm -hmm. to be on the student government or I'm going to be on the safety patrol or I'm going to be Mm -hmm. in the school play or uh, be in the band, whatever it is. This, I'm going to belong wherever I am. And I think I have carried that in many places. You know, when I started practicing law, what I didn't say was that it was, I was at a law firm where it was the only lawyers were me and 14 white men. And (laughs) I, decided I was going to belong. Like this is where I am. I'm going to understand this culture and this work. Mm -hmm. And so I I do make a concerted effort to not lose who I am, but to feel confident that I can belong in any place that I'm in.
0: I felt the same way. I mean, I believe our stories are very, very similar, especially coming up when I, before I started my business on my own, I was doing what I do for a Corporation in San Francisco. And I taught a lot in Silicon Valley. I can tell you for a fact, the co trainer was probably a white male that trained with me. And then everybody sitting in there was white male. Hmm. And they were all engineers, double E's, they called them. (laughs) Different Mm -hmm. personalities, yeah. Very different personality. And it took me a moment to get to this place where I had the level of confidence to say, well, excuse me, yes. Yeah, I'm who I am. And yes, I majored in music in college. I can sing. I'm not a double E. (laughs) But,
1: But you know, there's some of that, even when I came to the foundation here, I'd been in corporate America my whole career. And then I come into nonprofit where the vast majority of our staff have spent their entire careers in the nonprofit Mm -hmm. sector. So uh, while it might not be apparent, there was a big culture change for me to come into philanthropy, into the nonprofit sector. And I was determined that this, you know, corporate tax lawyer woman was going to belong and and (laughs) sit in here um, as much as I would anywhere else. And, And, you know, decades of learning how to do that, I, you know, figured out how to feel right at home here. I
0: love the, I love this mantra belong because I would say that that's how I got through it because there were, I mean, years, I mean, just in recent years, have I worked with women executives and, or in trainings where it's not all male. It's Mm -hmm. just, it has been recent within the last probably 10 years that that's been the case And it's still the case sometimes that I'm the only woman in the room. It's certainly the only Black woman in the room. Mm -hmm. And I would agree. There was some part within me that said, you know what? I'm here and I'm going to do this work and I don't care who you all are. I came to bring what I know, my and to be of service and to yeah. bring my excellence. And that's how you have to look at it. You do. And you know, the thing I often tell people
1: is I knew in most of these rooms, if I'm going to be the only woman and or I'm only going be the only person of color, people are going to remember me. So I need to take advantage <laughs> of this. Like it was instant visibility. I didn't have to figure out how to stand out. I was going yes. to. And so how could I be excellent so that I could use that visibility opportunity because people were going to remember what I said Mm -hmm. in the meeting. People were going to remember my name. So rather Mm -hmm. than viewing it as a hindrance, I used it as a superpower. Uh, When I go in this space, I'm going to be remembered. And what do I want to be remembered for? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of other people might have to fight to be seen. I never felt like I wasn't seen. I never felt invisible. I actually felt hyper-visible in most of the spaces I was I in. And so I
0: use that. I love that. I love that whole thing about hyper-visual. And yes, you have to really allow yourself to be centered. In, this is who I am. And this is what I bring to the table. And that's true for women in general. That's why we started this conversation. And this is a wonderful place to kind of come full circle. We started this conversation saying, You might not be at the table, but access to the table is there. Mm. It's now about what are you going to do? How are you going to take that opportunity, those opportunities to say that I'm here, I bring a specific kind of excellence? And I would say it takes a moment really taking a look at yourself and saying, what are my superpowers? What are my signature skills? Those things that I've grown to know over the way. So I went to college. I became an attorney. I, you know, what else did I learn? I learned how to do PR. I know nothing about it. You know, all these things create a signature skill that enhances your signature style. Right. It's such a powerful thing. In the classes that I'm teaching now, we just launched the very first one. It's called the Power Up Series, and it's all about teaching or or sharing with women the idea of how to power up. And this whole idea of the signature skills, the signature style. And then the last thing is your signature voice. Mm, and yeah. that's what this podcast is really all about. So that we give each other a space in this moment to share our voices so that other women are free to share their voice. That's so awesome. it's very powerful. It's very, very powerful. We, we had a very powerful, there's some techniques and some some really good things and methodologies that I use to help women. One methodology is we use what I call the spiral theory or the spiral methodology, which is different from the, the latter because I believe that women do better when we're in circle or when we're in spiral. And everything that you've talked about in terms of strategy, understanding the people that you're with, spiral leadership is all about empowering the people around you as you sit in the center and leverage their wisdom, but you're using your knowledge, your skills to guide that wisdom for the organization to win. That's the best best description of management leadership I've heard. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful skill set. So when I see it in another woman, I always want to point it out because you really do sit right in the middle of that? How do I manage the people? I don't know everything, but I can create a spiral around me of people who can help us move this organization forward. And that's
1: actually the most fun part of being a leader is empowering and coaching the people around you. You're only as good as the people around you. You know, as you grow in an organization, it's not about your personal Ability to execute on something. It's about how you inspire others to execute and how you get them to trust you and believe in your vision, how you inspire them to want to bring their best, how you set up a structure that enables them to collaborate with one another so you don't have people like cats and dogs around you <laughs> who might want to pander to you but don't really like working with each other? How do you create a positive environment where people can uh, collaborate and, and how do you problem solve with them? Not in a way that you're doing it for them, but that helps them think about how do I think outside the box? In order mm-hmm. to get to a new solution that I might not have thought about before, that's my favorite part of being a leader <laughs> is is being in that spiral and mm-hmm. imagining the power that can be realized if you do all of that well. Because then mm-hmm. you really, you might even say your spiral can turn into a cyclone. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can yeah. spin all that energy right. up into something really powerful, very powerful, uh, very Absolutely. powerful.
0: Yes, I agree with the spiral can become a cyclone. And you can't be scared of that because no. the power of that can move not only organizations, it can move nations. The world. It can, it can move it can. nations. It, it really can. does. Well, you know how much I love you. I have a tendency to fall in love with certain clients, not all of them, but certain clients I do fall in love with. And you're definitely one of them. Every every time I show up to work with you, it's it's an experience. I push her, but she pushes me too. And that's what I like. I like that push and pull where we can really get something done. And I think the two of us make some changes for you and Annie Casey Foundation. You have, you really helped me find my voice.
1: You know, I think when you're coming up as a leader, you have the voice of your organization. You're really, you know, putting on the cloak of whatever the organization is you represent. And when you become a CEO, you have the opportunity to figure out what your own voice is. And Mm -hmm. I think you have done a wonderful job of helping me connect my life story and the experiences (laughs) that I have in this work to be able to really share what it means to me, what I get out of it, why it matters in a way that's really authentic and powerful. And so I'm grateful to you for helping me figure out how to be my most me in this role. (laughs) It was less about how do I become an effective leader because I think I knew how to do that but how to how to be myself as a leader I think oh, yeah. was was what you really helped me do and it it is a wonderful feeling when you realize you can just be yourself and all those things you've gathered along the way really have meaning and purpose when they you really into this role. So yep. I, I thank you for that, Denise. You
0: well, you're more than welcome. And I'm looking forward to our next steps. I know we have next steps coming up and I'm looking forward to it. And I do want to encourage our listeners. If you want to know more about Lisa, but certainly Annie Casey foundation, which is doing phenomenal things under her leadership, please don't hesitate to go to their website, www.aecf.org. AECF.org. AECF.org. That's right. And for us, we're going to invite everyone to visit our website. It's womenexpresspodcast.com. We're doing some incredible stuff like the Power Up Series and teaching the Spiral Leadership Series. That is really cool. And I think that Over time, we're going to have more and more women, not only women, but women of color, sitting in that C-suite and making a difference in the world. And it's exciting to have shared this moment with you. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me, Denise. It's exciting to see many more women and women of color taking up leadership roles. So I love everything you're doing to help us all get ready.
0: You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank, thank you. you for listening, everyone out there on Women Express. You heard the website, so you know where to go. So go there. Make this your opportunity to, I as I love it, tap into your superpowers and that mantra, find your belonging and let that belonging shine and make a difference in the world. So thank you so much, Lisa. And thank you, everyone, for joining me today. We had a great time today. What I'd like to ask you to do is to rate us, give us good ones, review, and subscribe. And if you love the time you spent with us and loved our speakers, our interviewees, then share this with your friends. That's Collectively Women Express. Thank you for being with me. Bye for now.